You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Dumb fucking idiot, Kelly Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing great. You guys. We're doing great. I had, you know, Rachel LaForest who hosts Basic Witches. She was on my yeah. show a couple weeks ago and she literally, I like, came onto Zoom and I showed up and she was in full lingerie and her hair was crazy and she had black lipstick on. She was like, I'm feeling rage. This is who you get today. And I was like, I'm feeling rage. And it was the best podcast because we just showed up so raw and it was so fun. And she's like literally naked. And I was like, I'm here for podcasts like this. (laughs) More, please. I'd rather pretend to be something else. (laughs) Rage too. Oh my God. Telling Kelly two minutes before we started, I was putting concealer over my nap lines from my couch. <laughs> so here we are. We're here tired. We are. Mm-hmm. Lex, what's going on? I got six eyelashes left. No, only six. Oh, it's probably like 52, but it looks like six. <laughs> are they all on one side? Mostly on the left side. <laughs> I'm just trying to be more just trying to be more than who I am daily oh my god did you guys ever have any friends when you were little who would like eat their hair or like pull their eyelashes out oh yeah I mean I pull my eyebrows out sort of sometimes I do that too every now and then I just like give them a little tug yes I pull them out and then I throw them places throw them places yeah so I was that friend yeah (laughs) your textbook uh-huh. We have yes. the weird girl on the podcast today. There's two of us. <laughs> we were not hot in school, so oh. did other things. We've had this conversation about: Do you remember the age in which you became hot, and what happened afterwards? Ooh. And I remember the first time somebody asked me that, and I was like, "That is bold, and also a fucking powerful question." <laughs> what age was it, it for wasn't you? Yesterday, and it wasn't early either. Um, and shit changed when I got hot. Did you get laid a lot? Like, was it an overnight? Let me oh, get I definitely fucked? started fucking. Yeah. I mean, I got my braces off. I had braces for six years. And uh, so I was chronically in metal. And then I went through a chunky stage. And so I was like chunky. I had bangs. And then I had braces. And it was, I think it was ninth grade that I got my braces off. And all of a sudden it was like, Ooh, Bryn, Bryn is hot. And I immediately had sex. I became quite a wild child actually. Cause I think I just was so suppressed having no male attention for the first 13 years of my life. You're like braces <laughs> off. Let me suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and not be concerned about just ripping it to shreds. Oh my which, God. I still yeah. have that concern. Sometimes I'm like, am I doing this right? Am I going to bite your dick? <laughs> Same. Or with the claws now, I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. either going to puncture you or potentially bite your dick with my tired TMJ mouth. Okay. Yeah. So funny you bring up the nails because I had nails and we were hooking up with this girl or we were going to, and then nothing really happened. But I was so scared because I've never hooked up with a girl with long nails on. And I'm like, and I've obviously never had long, well, not obviously, but I've never had long acrylic fingernails up my pussy. And so I was like, oh my God, am I going to tear her vagina apart if I stick my fingers inside of her? I was legitimately scared. These are the thoughts that I have on a daily basis. I feel more like a regular checkup at the OBGYN. Yeah, exactly. I would not stick these up a vagina right now. They're actually scratchy, but you'll see sometimes 
women that sleep with other women or vagina owners will have two fingers that are not long, not pointed. Wow. So you can recognize other people that like pussy by their fingernails. Buying <laughs> quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lex, when did you get hot? Uh, I was also in high school, but I had to wait at least another three years past you, Bren. So you got hot like 13. Not a chance. <laughs> I went into high school and I remember putting like soft purple sparkly eyeshadow on. I learned how to put it on the day of for my aunt, my day first day of ninth grade. And I remember, I don't know how I work a straightener so well today uh, because I went years fighting with one of those things. <laughs> my crazy frizzy hair. I all, I'd just gotten my braces off. I had glasses, transitioned to contacts. Um, I was like just odd. I didn't really have my place in high school until junior year. Bum, bum, bum. Junior year was the year that I did my first pageant. And it was very much like a random thing that I did. It was the high school pageant. It was where juniors and seniors were allowed to compete. It was all girls. And for some strange reason, I was first runner up. And it was out of nowhere. And people were like, holy fuck, who's she? You know, and at least I think that was the case. And I had someone approach me at that pageant after it was all said and done. And, you know, I was first runner up and the person who won was the teacher's daughter. So who was supposed to win? I'm not sure. That rigged, you know, so um, I had somebody come up to my mom and I at the end of that pageant and tell me about the orange pageant, which is the bigger pageant of my um, parish. Cause I'm from South Louisiana. And in my parish, the orange festival is the longest standing festival pageant. It's like a to do in, in South Louisiana and in, um, in my parish specifically. And it was just mentioned. I didn't really think anything of it. And then oddly enough, my grandfather on his deathbed, basically the next year, asked me in a moment of, um, I don't know if you would call it coherence, not coherence, when he didn't make any sense for the last stretch of his life. Um, He was saying things that had to have been a memory. It was just, they didn't make sense. And the rest of the family was kind of like just waiting for the moment where he was going to go. And we just interacted with him whatever he said, we just kind of went with it. And in a moment of clarity, he said, Alexa, come here. And I went to him and I thought he was going to ask me for like tissue or water or something. And he said, I want two things from you. And I said, what? And he said, I want you to go to college and I want you to be the orange queen randomly. I'd never heard him say that before in my life. And so I competed my um, my senior year of high school, the lead up to senior year. So it was in between junior and senior year. And I was 17. I was barely old enough, barely old enough like to qualify. And I won. And it was the year Katrina happened. So they called me the Katrina queen. I won. And it was six months to the day that he had passed away that I won. Mm -hmm. So it was like weirdly between junior and senior year that I started doing pageants. And then I kept doing them until I aged out until about 23. What? You're a fucking pageant queen? I'm dead. No. I know. Oh my God, you didn't know this. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Literally not in any lifetime would I have guessed that. Right? Like Like maybe... Yeah, like maybe super intense cheerleader. I don't know, but like... I was on the dance team. That wasn't cool though. I can see that. You with your little like light wand thing. 
Oh yeah, I do like to light whip, but we I wasn't uh whatever those what are those things people that on the guard the ribbon dancers? No, but I did dance ribbon before. (laughs) Dude, I I love ribbon dancing. I couldn't eat. I couldn't. Yeah, I did do that. And then guys all of a sudden started paying attention to me around that time. And then when guys started paying attention to me, the chicks wanted to be my friends because the guys were wanting to come near me. And I also had a moment of like promiscuity because I had all of the eyes on me and I like didn't know what to do with it. Not really. Um, And then one of my famous stories is that one day, I don't know if this was junior or senior year, I got home and on the outside of my house, um, Alexa is a slut was written in mustard and it was like on top of paint from the like paneling on the house. And when we pressure washed it off, it stripped the paint. So it still said Alexa is a slut huge on the side of my house, like as big as you could write it on the side of a house. And, uh, yeah, it's all like part parts of my story. I don't know how I feel about the, like coming into my own and getting hot and getting attention. Cause like the world told me that you don't want attention. Don't be attractive. Don't, you know, because it, it equals pain and shame and guilt and blame and your slut. And even if, you know, at that time I was like, I wouldn't have identified with slut at that time. I proudly yeah. identify as it now. <laughs> proudly. Yeah. 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 Proudly. So, exactly. I'll say that's my, my like foolish story of like when I figured it out, it was like st- shit started coming at me sideways, like in a new way. It was coming at me sideways before. I like, can't catch a break. Now it's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I had an interesting experience because I was really tall when I was young. I looked like I was like 15 when I was five. I mean, you guys know I have huge hair. Um, I had big curly hair. I was five feet tall and I just looked older. So I was getting attention from men at a very inappropriate age. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started playing volleyball. So I lived in spandex and sports bras and I would like go to the grocery store with my mom at 12 and my little butt cheeks were hanging out because I was wearing my spandex and my mom had to like yell at men in the fucking aisles of the grocery store. And I just, I just didn't get it. And then I hit high school and I didn't have my, um, the transition lenses glasses with the braces and the unibrow that was gone. Thank God. Um, but I was already, I was six, one at 12. So I was 13, 14 years old with a, you know, rock and volleyball body. And the attention was crazy, especially from like the older guys in high school. And I was such a good girl. I liked the attention, but I also didn't do anything with it. I wasn't allowed to date. I didn't have sex until after I graduated. And it was really weird. And then I got to college and I was at USC and all hell broke loose. So there's that. <laughs> insert image of Kelly with the ride in the whip with the lasso. Or, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is very much me. No, not at all. Oh my gosh. So interesting. Okay. So before we started recording, we were talking about this addiction to chaos, which I very much feel in my own life. So Alexa, <laughs> the stage is yours, bitch. What's going on? <laughs> Live. On the Kelly T show. I, I, I text Kelly the other day, Brynn and I called her Kelly. And then in parentheses, I put soon to be, and I put more oh. no, because Jordan says my name like that. Not similar. He says every day. every day, every time he says my name, he says, Alexa, soon to be Bowditch. Oh, that's cute. It's really sweet. Alexa, Nicole, soon to be Bowditch. He like, he changes it up. That's really cute. <laughs> Oh, I love him. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last time you came on to my show, we started the show a little bit like frazzled. Like, I don't know how to just 
be on time and everything is smooth and everything is good. I do sometimes. And I'm like, wow, look at this foreign feeling, feel this foreign feeling of all togetherness. Um, and I remember on, on the last time you were on, on our show on that sex chick, uh, I was like, I don't know. I feel like I might be a little bit addicted to this chaos where it's just one thing after another, after another. And I don't know how to make it all settle down necessarily. Um, and Jordan and I, you know, we're getting married to same, same month, a couple weeks after you and Connor in October. And, um, you know, a lot of what we're doing is with the idea of family in mind at the beginning of 2022. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. How will I balance starting a family? If like, I don't know how to get out of this swirl of chaos where I just pack my schedule and I'm on call after call after call and I'm running here and I'm running there. And all of a sudden, you know, the next day, oh shit, I forgot I'm flying somewhere. And then before I can get back, I need to take a call before I get to the airport. And it's just like, how do I put this much stuff? Like, I'm not, I'm not famous. I don't have that much stuff to do. Not that many people need me to live their life. Like, I don't know where it came from. And I'm like, have I been this way my whole life where I'm just like, there's not enough time the day. Like I can't put another kid in here. I love another kid because my other two are dogs. Just mm-hmm. same days. And you're you. soon to be husband sometimes as a child. Right. Because <laughs> they're supposed to be. Like, that's just what it is. <laughs> he very much is an adult. He's like a cartoon character. Yeah. Like, my whole life is just this very entertaining slew of situations. Same. Um, so he provides the comedic relief in between, th- in between things. Like, he sees me kind of short circuit. And then he'll go, he'll, like, do something funny and weird. And he's like, every time you get nervous and you want to rub your fingernails, I want you to kiss me. Oh. <laughs> That's so sweet. I get over, I do this funny thing where I like feel big energy in my body and I like rub my hands together. Interesting. I like, I like massage my palms or I'll like rub. On That's the probably really smart. Head. That's probably a really good coping mechanism. To, like it's calm perfect. your nervous system. Yeah. It's like I'm like, I literally feel like I'm pulling energy out of my fingertips to calm down a little bit. And anytime, and he, we like joke about it a little bit. And he's like, how about you kiss me instead? And I'm like, what about when you're not around? He's like, kiss your arms and think of me. I'm like, you're just so ridiculous. Thank God for Jordan. Right? Right? Okay. Like, who would I be? So I have a question because I do the same thing. I think I'm getting better at it, but it's Is still, it chaos thing? yeah, it's still very much ingrained in me. Do you feel like you have worth and value tied to being busy? I don't know. But I wonder if I just did nothing, would everything burn to the ground? No, because you have me. But then when do I get to do nothing? Yeah, so your relationship with Chaos Brinsky, because you and I, I think we like tag team with it. One in the same. I mean, you were my doctor in a previous life. So you you rescued me out of the chaos. Did you hear this, Kelly? Yes, I heard about this. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, we are one in the same. I, I've been this way as for as long as I can remember. And I chose a partner that also thrived in the chaos. And I remember looking at our calendar planned through December and thinking, when does it fucking end? Like, when will I have a break? When will we get to stop? When will we get to slow down? And Turns out the common denominator is fucking me because when I left that partnership, it didn't fucking slow down. Mm -hmm. And I thought for sure, like, oh, here's this driver of our relationship and our activities and our social life 
things must chill when he leaves. But I realized I'm just as in bed with chaos as he was. And for me, it manifests with getting sick. And I've actually recently been working with a a somatic practitioner on how it, it fucking rocked me so hard. We were in a session and we were talking about, um, he had me pull up a memory from childhood and basically had me understand where my brother suffers from a lot of mental health issues. And when my parents got divorced, when I was, uh, I was six and he was like two, three. Um, and shortly after he started to go into manic episodes, um, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, crazy, crazy levels of paranoia. Um, and it was really sad and heartbreaking to watch, but he basically sucked all of the attention resources from my parents, rightfully so. And my practitioner was saying, he's like, can you see how your wise body learned to get sick, to also receive attention? And here are the things that you so rightfully get to crave as an adult, love, attention, affection. And your body was just so smart that this is how it learned to receive those things. And here I am at 32 years old, trying to break that fucking cycle to this day. And it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm real tired. Mm. Lex will tell you, we had a team meeting and I made it about 0.4 seconds into it before I was literally like close to dry heaving. I was crying so hard uh, because it just, it comes in these waves, right? If we're, life is great and I'm managing everything on my own and I'm this fierce independent woman doing all the things I said I was going to do. And then something shifts and the universe keeps me fucking humble. And I'm like, I can't do any of this. Thank God for support of community and friends and family. Cause being a single woman is fucking tough. So, so tough. I look at partnership in a whole new light since leaving my marriage. Ooh, tell me more about that. Why? It's funny. I had to get divorced to have reverence for marriage in the way that I do now. I don't think I would have ever held the sanctity of that relationship at such a high regard had I not gone through completely disregarding it and taking it for granted. And now I see we are so not meant to walk this planet alone. It makes me want to cry just talking about it. So much of my programming has told me that I have to be everything and do everything by myself. That to prove my worth as a woman, I have to make enough money. I have to be able to like run the successful business. I have to be able to manage the household, look fucking perfect, be able to attract a man, work out, cook, have a social life. And I'm tired. (laughs) I want a partner. I want someone to share this with. And then the, the mind fuckery and the guilt of that cycle of, but you just walked away from all of that. You had all of that and you chose to walk this solo path for the search of something different. And now you're contradicting yourself saying that you want all of those things again, shortly after you left the last relationship. And it's just, I see it in a whole new light and I value it so differently. And I see how we are truly meant to yeah, walk this earth with others. 
it's not a lone wolf job. It's really not. But were you looking for something else or were you looking for yourself? Both. Like, I was looking for myself. I didn't know who I was. And had I not had that opportunity to really be with me for the past two years, I would have repeated the cycle. I would have gotten into another codependent relationship attached to him and had him lead my whole life all over again. But I didn't. Like, I fucking feel so good about myself and the self love that I have now. Yeah, sure. I have some loathing days like any other fucking human being but I know my worth and I know my value and I'm ready to bring that to somebody and create something really magical together. Um, and I, I think I've shared this on, I don't know if it was your podcast or somebody else's, but there was a day where I was leaving Alexa's house and we had worked a really long day and, um, Jordan had dinner, like waiting for her on the table. And it was just this moment of, I went in my car and I just sobbed like the whole way home. Not because like, I'm sad. I don't have that of just like, oh, that's what I get to have again. And this is what it looks like to be in a partnership where you really support one another. It's in those little moments of making someone dinner, right? And not these like big glamorous um, things that we think that it may be, right? But it's like when you're fucking exhausted and your partner has dinner waiting for you on the table. It's not the same, but we would have fed you. <laughs> I think I got pizza. I know you want this real bad. Alexa, so- isn't Bryn your third? That's what I've heard the rumor in the rumor <laughs> mill. Isn't yeah, Bryn your uh, girlfriend and your thruple? You heard it first, Kelly T. <laughs> We're launching it here. I have been no. accused, I don't know if that's the right word, of being your third, Kelly. Oh, that's right. And Alexa's also. So I mean, you're, sure. you're a good fuck. I'll take you. By <laughs> nature. <laughs> I know that you want this, this partnership and selfishly, I really enjoy living vicariously through you and your mm-hmm. single escapade. So I'll just say, I really enjoy having a front row seat of watching you figure it out. You know what I mean? And each, each cry session in the car is one step closer to the thing that you ultimately want. And if you had it any sooner, it wouldn't be the thing that you know Hmm. is out there and is available to you. Like it's coming at the end. It's not even at the end because it's not like it's linear. It's not like it has an end. It never has an end. So thank you. And I will always feed you. <laughs> I know you will. Even if thank all you. we have are snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love snacks. <laughs> and I love you. So it's interesting too because Bryn, you've been married. Alexa, you've never been married, right? No, I've no, been I, engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've both been engaged but not married. Um it's interesting because we're, you know, like you said, we're getting married two weeks apart and we both have really interesting relationship dynamics, not conventional. Bryn, you're in a space where you're not going about things conventionally and really expanding yourself and your sexuality and exploring. And something that I've really been sitting with is like, I feel so safe and so held and I'm so happy in my relationship. And we get to do these cool, fun things together. And I still feel like there's a part of me that is nervous because I don't like feeling trapped. And that's what's been coming up for me is like, I have everything I ever wanted. And this ties in both conversations we're having right now. One, I think that I've been addicted to chaos. And so I'm so happy that I'm trying to create chaos because. I'm very uncomfortable being this happy. 
And two, there's a sense of feeling trapped in this of like, is this it? What if I want something else? This is scary, right? And so it's like this duality of I want it all. I have it all. I'm so happy. Let me create some shit to like feel better. I'm curious, Alexa, if you're feeling any of that or if you operate in the same way. I don't set off little bombs, if that's what you're referring to, but I know Bryn does in her life. Um, what I think I experience more than anything is, is be, what I would describe as, it's my version of extreme anxiety. It's, it's not extreme necessarily. Um, I have spoken about this quite a bit and I know this of myself and I'm realizing that I'm, I'm, I particularly feel this way and I know this experience mostly in partnership. So this is definitely my lessons in my work in partnership is that anxiety is, is mostly present when I'm in relationship and when I'm out of relationship and I have the space and I can do whatever I want, then I'm not as anxious and I haven't really met anybody who hasn't dealt with anxiety on some level or depression. Depression is not really the thing that I experienced. I am so fucking grateful for everything that I have and I work hard and I show up and I'm a good person and I'm a good friend and I'm a good lover and I'm a good, all of these things. So I'm not depressed. My life is amazing. And, um, and the anxiety is not necessarily like fear for what's going to come. It's this tension, this like slow creep, foggy sludge that takes over my body and constricts over my heart, my chest cavity and heaves it. And, and I can feel it even in describing and it climbs up my throat and it's in around my neck and around my throat. And it's like over me. And I feel that in waves and my, um, and I've spoken about it on my show and, and I know I'm spoken about it to both of you individually and, and probably on, on your show too, before Kelly is, um, I, my energy spikes um, in waves and I've had it described to me in, in, as my human design, which is that right? I don't know. It's fun to believe in magic though. So I'm just going to roll with it. So in my human design, I'm a six, two manifester role model hermit. And if I don't have the hermiting time, then the role model in, in a sense suffers. If I spend a lot of time in the role model role, because that's what society really appreciates. And that's what gets me all of the, the marks of a good achiever and all these things. Um, if I don't give myself the breaks, then I really suffer internally. It's this like struggle that I, I continue to create that chaos, like you were saying. Um, and I've had it best described to me that, that in human design, there are different waves of emotion that you are, you can have in your chart. And mine is called the spike wave. And the person that described it to me told me in the next sentence, that's the hardest. Those are the hardest people to be in relationship with. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> Great. And so what does it mean? She said, well, do you go from neutral to like spike really high? versus an ebb and a flow and an ebb and a flow or people who feel pretty neutral, regardless of what their emotional situation is or what's going on around them. Some people still feel like they're on the same, they're like in the same frequency. I would say a lot in a lot of ways, Bryn reminds me of that is that whether she's sad or whether she's happy, you can hear in her voice and in her, you can tell what the emotion is, but her energy is still pretty much in this, in this, on the same level if I even feel the buildup of you're starting a sentence that I don't want to hear, <laughs> you said three words out of the 15 you're about to say, and I can tell where this is going. You, 
anyone around me can feel that my energy starts to build. And then it, 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 um, the, the way that my energy comes out whenever it's very stimulated, it, um, it just pours out, it goes out, it's aggressive. Um, and so for those who follow five personality types, I can do, I can play this, like, what do you test on this and that, and this and that all day, but like on the five personality types, there's people that endure where their energy collapses in. There's people that, uh, are aggressive and their energy like forces itself out. And then, um, there's people who are leaving where they literally like look like they dissociate and they float away. So there's all these different ways that, and it's all about your energy flow. And mine is, mine is it builds and it immediately goes out. And so, um, you know, whenever it's just me and I'm, and I'm single, then I process that in a very different way. And whenever I'm in partnership and whenever I feel like I'm in this trap situation, like my schedule keeps me trapped, my relationship keeps me trapped, my friendships, everything that I love being in Austin for causes a lot of anxiety at times. There's too many things and I hate disappointing people. And if I have a window of opportunity and I haven't seen this friend in a while and they really want to see me, but the only window is available, it's between me and them. And then I have to choose myself, but then I feel bad. And then it's like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just like fill it with them anyway. So um, I don't set off bombs, but I will create like a, like a little bomb maybe inside myself. And that bomb I've gotten um, up close and personal with when I ended my first relationship from high school that went all the way to the end of college, um, I had my first panic attack. And so, and I had regular panic attacks until, well, I had them on and off and then I got in a different relationship and then that relationship was okay at the beginning. And then it started to provide a bunch of crunchy stuff. And then I started having them again. And so as long as I have not known how to cope after that breakup, I have had uh, struggles with or been challenged by anxiety and panic attacks and things like that. And Jordan has only seen me go into one maybe. And that was in the in-between when we were figuring out if we were going to move to Austin or not. And I knew I just couldn't be in New Orleans anymore. And so, yeah. A little bit long-winded, but I feel like probably some of your listeners would really resonate with some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. I have a question that I don't, as you were talking about this, I'm like, we're talking about chaos. And maybe this is the part of me that's addicted to chaos that wants to question it. Like, but is it actually chaos? Because how do you know the difference between chaos and just a genuine desire for novelty? because we were talking about bombs being dropped off, right? That's what Alexa was just referring to, which is what I like to do when I'm bored. Words you say. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm a self-proclaimed bomb dropper or recovering bomb dropper because after, yeah, after I sense monotony or routine or just sameness for too long, Sometimes it's subconscious. Other times it's conscious. I will drop bombs. I will leave relationships. I will leave locations. I will start arguments, whatever it may be to just stir shit up. But there's also a part of me that just is like, yes, that's true. And I just fucking like newness. I like variety. I like change of scenery, change of people, change of places. And is that fucking wrong? And am I labeling my life as chaotic? And in fact, it's just this is how I like to operate. So there's a part of me that's questioning the chaos versus just a genuine desire for something different. Well, I think it's the intention with which you're doing things. I mm. think that when we're coming from a place of something's missing or there's lack and we're feeling internal chaos, 
and we want to have our external world reflect that to make us feel better. That is chaos, right? But when we're going about it in knowing ourselves, like I have never made it past two years in a relationship because I get bored as fuck. So I just end it. I also wasn't with the right people. This is the longest relationship I've ever had. And I also am really aware of myself in knowing that I need and need to seek novelty. Mm-hmm. And I don't do it from a place of lack. I do it from, wow, I'm so happy and I'm so fulfilled. And I like to do these things. And it's a part of who I am in my life. That feels very different than what you're talking about earlier with being sick to get attention, which I did for 15 years. So I know very well um, is let me just freak out about something that literally means nothing, or let me just be sick so that you'll give me attention. Let me do all these things in order to manipulate the situation for myself. That feels Mm. really different in my body and in my mind. And one feels like this excited expansion and the other is exhausting. Yeah. The word manipulation really fucking resonates. Like, Ooh, I've been a manipulative bitch many, many times in my life. (laughs) Yeah. But like in a soft, sweet kind of way, like, how could you really think I was being manipulative? I'm so soft and sweet. (laughs) It's the worst kind. I'm into a cake. Uh I'm manipulating you. Now give me what I want or I'll cut you. Yeah. But I think for me, that's me too. I'll go into like the spike that I mentioned and the overwhelm and the system overload. It's like, I'll feel it. And I'm like, yeah, I feel alive in this moment. And Jordan, as soon as he picks up on it, he immediately starts reacting to it and in in an attempt to respond to it. And he has all his tools that he tries to use that our coach gives us and like how to navigate it and how, or when is it time to stand my ground? And when is it time to give her her soothing mantra? And it's like, there's, there's always attention, even if, and it's a weird thing. Cause I'm, I'm, experiencing inside of my body. And what I tell myself is that I want everyone to just leave me alone so that I can quickly go up and quickly come back down. You don't have to soothe. You don't have to nothing. Just like, let me have my process. And then there's parts of me that I wonder, I'm like, but you know, people will respond. They can't help it. It is in their pattern to respond. And of course I partnered with someone who is in that like pretty neutral level frequency all the time and is happy go lucky. And he is probably like, like, Ooh, she's so foreign to me. Let me just like figure out how to make her do that more because through me, he has the full range of a human experience. And through him, I'm like, wow, look at him. So steady like that. <laughs> I'm just trying to fuck up his world for a second <laughs> or just watch him from afar and like, see if I can feel a little happy go lucky and mellow and predictable. Oh shit. I got to pause this just very briefly. I know. You are obsessed with Alexa and Bryn, just like I am. Aren't I the luckiest gal to call both of these girls my friend? Um, My friend. (laughs) Uh, Just a brief break to talk about brands that I like to fuck with. That goes perfectly talking to these two. So I am so excited because pumpkin spice season is back. I have layers on. My hands are a little cold right now as I'm recording this, which means I am just basically taking Organifi to the face all day long. I start with it. I have it in the afternoon. I end my day with it. And if you haven't seen my stories on Instagram lately, I'm basically gifting Organifi to everyone and their grandmother right now. I even just sent a canister of pumpkin spice to my dad. And I text him and I said, okay, 
here's what you do, dad. (laughs) New thing to try. He loves all the like wellness shit that I do. He's so cute. He like actually looks at my stuff and buys whatever I say. So I sent it to him and I text him and I said, okay, so you do a full scoop of the pumpkin spice and then you blend it with a big old scoop of coconut butter. And he goes, I've never had coconut butter. I don't understand. And I said, dad, just go to any store. You can find coconut butter. Just do a big scoop. It'll make it really creamy and frothy and delicious. And so he did it. And then he texted me yesterday and he says, pumpkin spice with the thumbs up emoji. (laughs) I'm sure all of you can relate to texting with your parents and understand how cute this is. But I'm a huge fan of pumpkin spice. I just sent some to Kelly Brock, who was also on the show about a month ago. And she posted and was like, "Uh, this is the best shit ever. She is mixing the chocolate gold with the pumpkin spice per my recommendation. And she also loves it. So I just love this as a gift for people, um, especially those who are newer on their wellness journeys and are trying to find simple ways to nourish their bodies. This is an incredible way to do it. So just a little gift giving idea for you, especially I can't fucking believe I'm saying this with the holidays coming. What? Stock up, baby. Get that shit done early and then just give it away. And it's very easy and everyone will love it. You can go to Organifi.com slash Kelly T for 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Kelly T and you'll get 20% off. Okay. So speaking of an amazing thing to give to people, we were just hunting yesterday. We were duck hunting. I don't really talk about hunting much on this show because it's, I don't know. It's not very on brand for the Kelly show, Um, although I guess it is now because it's part of my life. Anyways, Connor and his new little friends that go hunting together, one of them is 21 and the other is 25. And so we feel like mom and dad, which is funny because they were calling us mom and dad because one of them said, hey, do you have any snacks? He asked one of the guys and he was like, no, dude, I don't. And so I busted out um, some snacks for him and he was like, oh, thanks. (laughs) So silly. Anyways, I was talking to these boys because they go out into the mountains, Connor included, and they're hiking up these hills and they're sweating for days and they're eating packaged foods because it's really hard to eat well, right? When you're in the mountains and they're not getting enough water and they're super dehydrated. So I went full on mom mode and started telling them about element. Yeah. And they're like, wait, I don't understand. What is it? And so I explained that it's electrolytes and then it's these just little salt packets and you can just shove them into your bag that you're taking into the woods and you have a couple of a couple of them a day. And Connor goes, yeah, man, it's so great. Like it makes you drink more water and you feel so much better. And then when you come down the mountain, you're not as dehydrated and you don't feel as bad. So then I recover faster. And I was like, thank you for your support and, and built in ad basically in this conversation. But that's really the beauty of it. So I know I talk a lot about uh, getting element into your everyday because I fast and I'm working out and I'm sweating and we're at elevation, all these things. But I also just want to throw it out there because I know majority of you are women listening to this. Give this to your dude because they're doing active, crazy shit half the time and they forget to drink water. Connor always says, I forget to drink water and I don't eat food when you're not around. And I'm like, yeah, I am aware. That's why I 
do what I do, babe. So give this as an amazing gift. Just throw it in their bag. Remind them like, hey, don't forget to grab your element. We keep an entire jar of them in Connor's car. So he never has the excuse of, oh, I forgot to grab it. I just keep him stocked up like the mother that I am. Uh, So if you want to check out element for yourself or for someone you love who is perpetually dehydrated and forgetful, gentlemen, then you can go to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash Kelly T and you'll get an eight pack sampler for just the price of shipping, which is five bucks in the US. And you'll get to try out some of the new flavors. They updated the sampler pack, which I'm so happy they did. So you can try all the new shit that I talk about. Okay, let's get back to my babes. Bryn, I'm curious. Maybe this is inappropriate to ask, but I've been wondering, and I feel like this is the perfect place to do it. Please. <laughs> um, have you and Chris talked about getting back together now that you have been apart and had these revelations and created space and seem to have a really positive relationship? We have not. Um, there were parts of the separation in which I thought we were going to get back together. Um, during his birthday party, actually we both ended up doing a pretty hefty dose of MDMA and spending the majority of the night essentially in a state of love. I mean, yeah, it's what MDMA does, right? And we were processing so much of our relationship and I was finally able to get to a place where I was giving him genuine praise and recognition. The thing that he so deeply wanted from me for essentially our entire relationship that I withheld from him. And there's so much more to it than that. But I was able to give that to him and he was able to genuinely apologize and see me in that moment. And that night fucked me up for months. I was so confused. I I mean, we had been separated for the better half of a year and then you get love bombed on MDMA and all of a sudden your world's upside down and you're like, am I actually supposed to be with this person? Um, We've had so many missed connections though. And the reality is that I really believe if we were supposed to be together, we would have made our way back to each other by now. And when I'm around him, I feel zero sexual energy, which I think is another really big clue for me. Like there's no part of my pussy that gets wet or turned on in those situations anymore. Um, And maybe that's like, because I blocked it out so hard and I won't even allow myself to be open to the idea Um, But he's actually, he's in partnership with someone new. I met her over the past weekend, which is a really surreal experience. Um, This is my first time consciously meeting Chris's partner. Um, He had one partner previously while we were separated and it was a total shit show. The absolute opposite of how you would want to introduce somebody to your ex-wife. Um, he basically avoided the whole situation and allowed ourselves to like find our way to each other. And it was a disaster. Um, but this time I I met her and she's lovely and they seem really happy. And yeah, I just, I don't see any part of that happening and the universe plays weird jokes on people. So I won't say never, but in this moment, I don't see it as a reality. Yeah. It's just interesting. I, I've talked about this on the show before, um, with a few different people. To me, it's like, I want Connor to have the best version of me, right? It's like, he's been in the shit with me over the last couple of years. And it's interesting. I've seen a few people break up. I've seen a few people get divorced and then get back together. 
Mm. They, they are not good in partnership at the time. And then they break up and they go do their own work and they figure their shit out. And they're like, you're actually the person I want to be with. And I want you to have this version of me. And I feel like that all the time with Connor is like, I can't imagine not being with you and you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I, we do this work together and we are conscious together. And I want you to always have the highest, best version of me. I want to have the highest, best version of me. So I was, as I was thinking about you guys a few different times, I'm like, I wonder if that's come up as you both have really come into yourselves and gotten to know yourselves individually. If that conversation has been, okay, do we try this as the new versions of us? It's just interesting. It definitely has crossed my mind. And I was, there were definitely times where I was hoping he would take initiative and lead that conversation in being that that was a really big part of how I wanted him to show up more in our relationship. And I can see now too, where that's me still being in pattern, like wanting him to always be the initiator. And so there are parts of us that are definitely the best version of ourselves. And there is still something when we come back together where we very easily fall back into old patterns. It happened a couple of days ago. We came over for dinner and I looked over and we were both on our fucking cell phones. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> we're here to connect with one another. So I love the question, but I guess only time will tell. Yeah. Lex, something that we were all talking about before we started recording that I think is just a really important conversation to have, especially because we all work with people, um, is this idea of exhaustion. Bryn was talking about it. Like, I'm so tired. We're all doing the work. Like, oh my God, are we doing work? And then we're teaching other people to do the work. And I don't even like the work. Um, it feels like a daily practice. I'm in this really interesting place where I'm just kind of stepping back. I'm like, I am not participating in the work. I'm not journaling. I'm not doing all this shit. I'm not meditating. I'm literally just living my life. And the funny thing is that I've never felt more connected to myself, to source. I feel so clear. It feels so good. And it's really just kind of embracing this kind of pause in a lot of ways. I'm curious how you approach your growth and not only just with yourself, but as you are getting ready to be married and work with Jordan and have your own coach for your relationship, as well as y'all run a company together and are coaching people on a daily basis. How do you wrap your head and your body around that and navigate it for yourself? That's a question, mainly just like how I interact with my own personal development. Yeah. With all of the things. All the things. And then run into exhaustion every now and again. Yeah. There are times where I realize that I'm approaching another process and then I get pissed at that. And then I got to process my pissed offedness at the process while also getting ready to do the process and hoping that it doesn't take four hours. Yeah. I have definitely, I've had moments or I've had times since Jordan and I have gotten together, just using that as a po point of reference. So it's like a little over three and a half years. I've had times where like I couldn't find my connection to myself in my development. And so putting together uh, a structure or a flow or my routines or something like that was really difficult and meditating and journaling and all these things, they just felt so forced and crunchy and like I couldn't catch a flow or anything like that. And then we made it um, the move to Austin. And the move to Austin had so much make sense and click into place. And since we have been here, 
It has been a steady dance. There's so much work that is available to do here, should I choose. And so the things that really fill our time and fill my time, um, like I mentioned and you mentioned just now, we have our own relationship coach. Her name's Annie Lala and we love her so much. She is a uh, love, she's a heart cartographer is what she calls herself. And uh, just a fucking ninja when it comes to like listening to people speak and then picking out words and creating these really beautiful metaphors and analogies that just like make a lot of sense. And then giving each person tools and things, you know, next time she goes into this, I want you to do that. Um, and I just, I, I love it. So, I mean, I work with her, we work with her, not just on our own individual relationship, but she helped a lot with, with my um, starting a new relationship with my biological father who have only seen, you know, X amount of times in my entire life. So um, she's amazing and that definitely helps. And we don't see her every week. We just kind of see her because we're in a great place. I would say our relationship is, is, I don't know if you would say good to great. It's like great to whatever's after great, great to incredible. You know, we do an amazing job and that doesn't mean that we're happy all the time. That means that how we interact with each other whenever shit comes up, because it is inevitable and it comes up every day at some point in the day, we navigate it. And when we're done navigating it, uh, well, first off, the navigation is starting to take a shorter length of time. And then once we get to the other side, we're like, fuck, look at how quick we did that. We like high five. We're so stoked. Like it's paying off. It's in those moments where it's like really, really paying off. Um, but other other than seeing her and then us holding each other accountable, because sometimes our fucking relationship is just, we can, we're in the work in our relationship and that gets exhausting, like really exhausting where I'm like, I don't want to curb my words back anymore. I just want to say what my inner teenager just said to you. Like, I want to say that to you because I, I mean, that was something that I knew growing up is that I could let out a string of words that like was way, would hit way harder than a fist could. You know, it was just like tear you to pieces because that was like my inner, you know, ignored child. And um, so that just, that gets challenging at times. Like our, our relationship is definitely part of the, the work in air quotes. The other thing is um, my best girlfriends. So I have a really close group of friends here in Austin that are all in partnership. And that's been really important to us that we continue to develop and we continue to develop ourselves in our partnerships. And with the friend group that Jordan and I are the closest to, how we've described it is we choose friends that we, I am certainly friends with the female person in these heterosexual relationships because everyone's in a heterosexual relationship. And then Jordan is very good friends with the men. And we made friends with them as a unit together, which is unique. We'd never experienced that before. And then when we say, yes, we are friends with each individual, but we're also friends with the collective of them. We're, we are friends and we're in community and in connection with the consciousness that is their relationship, which is the best parts and the shadow parts of both of them combined. And so um, I meet with my girlfriends once a week and we have this commitment to each other, not to gossip, not even just about each other, but just in general. And so whenever it comes up and there's that energy of gossip, which we do cross that line every now and then we all hold each other accountable not to do it. And then also we make an, a commitment that we're not on the, out of the relationships, we're not on the woman's side. We remind each other consistently that we are for the relationship. And so we will say and be in response to whatever the other person is going through 
in with the relationship in mind, not just her in mind, but also her, but more than anything, the relationship. So um, now I, I meet with them almost every week. And so I have a place to let go and, and really share. And while that would, I would say is the work I'm so nourished and fulfilled after that. And Austin is hot as fuck in the summer. So everyone goes on a trip, like multiple trips. So we get the summer as a break because not everybody's here. So instead of doing these like big, long women's circle processing situations, we go to paint with a twist and like basic thing. We go out to dinner and drinks. Another thing that we would consider on the basic thing. So instead of like, you know, sitting in a circle and drawing a card and putting your hand on your heart and your womb and like being all this, like, you know, flowy, which we love, we like to try to balance it out. And if we know that the summer is, we're going to be missing one or two of the group, then what's something that we can put into here. That's, you know, a little bit on the more basic. And when I say basic, I'm not saying that that's less than I'm saying it's, it's different. It's, you know, it's, there's like a pendulum if basic on one side and like woo as fuck is on the other side. then like we try to drag the pendulum back to the middle. Anytime we spend too much time on one or the other side, because we all realize, I realize I live on earth. I may have had some really magical, really out there, holy fucking shit experiences, but I'm a human living on planet earth in 2021. And so I understand the star seeds and the cosmos and the numbers and the galactic whatever's the galactic federation have you met with them yet (laughs) i'm just i'm here so my my relationship is touch and go and trying to um take it at least one step at a time and almost every time i go to to share what's on my heart i'm like i'm stressed (laughs) so you know i don't have the answers i do not have the answers when it comes to this and i write about i talk about it a lot so i go put my ass in a bathtub and I try to lock my phone outside the bathroom so that I won't get on it, so that I will read or do something else and like just try to breathe through it. And maybe there will be a time where I take a heroic dose of mushrooms or I ingest a bunch of ayahuasca and then I'm like, oh, high anxiety. And I meet her in the face and I'm like, you know what? We're not, we're done with you now. But like, I haven't, I'm not counting on, it. I don't have any eggs in that basket, the plant medicine basket, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> That's that was good. captivating. That was so good. It's so good. <laughs> I think what that brings up for me is, and Bryn, you and I have talked about this, I think last time we were on the show, is this intimacy. Mm. I think when we get into personal development, spirituality, we have this idea of like what the work is and how you have to show up and like the the routine and the ritual every day and make sure you sit on your meditation pillow and you take this and you do that and you do ayahuasca and And it's so funny because what I'm noticing more and more and what Alexa's talking about is we really are yearning and longing Mm -hmm. for intimacy. That is healing, really being held, really being seen, really being able to be vulnerable in your fullest self when you show up to things, when you show up with others, when you show up with yourself. And I feel like, Bryn, you have done an amazing job of asking for and creating more intimacy in your life, which is mm-hmm. what is your healing and your work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Everything you both just said resonated so deeply. Like, oh yeah, I'm actually on this podcast, but I'm a very avid listener of everything Lex is saying right now. So I'm so deep into what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I think for me doing the work is 
it has really been becoming more and more and more fucking authentically myself to the place that it is absolutely terrifying. Um, because vulnerability to me, it's like putting all of my guts, heart, everything about me on a silver platter in front of another human being and going, will you be my friend? Like, will you be my lover? Will you be my business partner? Um, and knowing that they could literally flip the tray and be like, no, I don't actually want any of what you're putting out there. And then me having, not having to, but getting to be okay with that because it creates space for something different, better, more aligned, whatever, whatever buzzword you want to put in there to come through. Right. And I am really on this kick of this male coach that I'm working with. Um, because lately that has been my commitment to myself as I, haven't necessarily been doing the card pulling or the women's circles or the breath work or whatever, but having this really secure, healthy, balanced male figure that shows up and holds me in my shit. Yes, I'm paying him to do this, but it is a total rewiring of my nervous system to show up messy, snot crying, letting him see all parts of me and him going, can I hold you in that? whatever you're feeling, let's feel it together. And he'll just lock eyes with me and he'll let me have my process. And he'll remind me how beautiful and strong and courageous it is for me to feel those things. And so that has been my path lately of vulnerability and intimacy is it's rewiring my nervous system that it is safe to do that with men. I think I've gotten really good at doing it with other women. And I think that's why business has been so great when it's come to the women that I've been able to support and love on because I've gotten good at doing it with myself and doing it with other women. And so they see that. And then there are also times where I realize I'm like, oh, and my next level is doing this in romantic partnership because it feels very fucking different for me to do that with uh, a man in front of me. Mm. And there was this activity he had us do. It was funny. Alex and I did almost the exact same activity with our individual coaches not just the same day, but at almost the exact hour. We were like debriefing and I'm like, wait, you did that at three o'clock on Tuesday? Me fucking too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're real connected, but um, he had me, he was having me use my chair. And every time I stood up and sat back down, it was me acting as a different part of myself. And he was intuitively naming the different parts that he wanted me to sit with, the ones that he felt like needed the voice the most. And it it was everything from the girl who gets sick to need attention to the woman who is the connector. And it was in the moment where he had me be the connector. I felt differences in my body every time I sat down in the chair as somebody different. Like I felt a fucking shift in my energy. Sometimes it would drop. Sometimes it would raise. Sometimes I felt emotional immediately. Sometimes I felt giggly, depending on the character. It was a fucking like psychedelic roller coaster, is what it felt like. Um, but when I sat down as the connector, he looked at me and he said, he's like, oh, there's so much heart. There's so much heart here. I can feel how deeply you desire to be met in this level of vulnerability. And the second he said it, the tears just well, because I feel as if so many of us, maybe I dare to say all of us come into the world that way, like as human beings that are raw, open, vulnerable wanting to connect with other humans. And then somewhere along the way, we learn that it is unsafe because somebody writes fucking slut on our house with mustard or for whatever reason, 
by the way, I also had a, I, when you were saying the story, my mind was exploding because somebody wrote slut on my white Honda Civic in mustard also. So <laughs> the paint. Apparently bullies like mustard. If, yeah. well, if the sun hits it, then it will strip the paint that's underneath. I don't know if you caught it before. Oh no, it was a whole ordeal. We had to get everything redone. It was like a fucking massive process. Um, so oh. anyway, yeah, I know. So we have that in common too. Oh. We shared a past life and we also both got tagged by mustard. Not surprised. I hate mustard. <laughs> Yellow mustard. It gives you it. Heinz, fuck off. Um, yeah. So I think that's really been my path back to being the connector. The one that I came into this world as is, is being comfortable being in that soupy mess of here is all of me. And I hope that you want to meet me in that. And it has been quite the journey. I think a lot of what we're talking about is like, we're filling ourselves up in all of this, in this process of excavation and falling apart and self-discovery. It's like, how much can I find myself and fill myself up with me in this knowing and this confidence and this, this truth, whatever that is at the time. I hate fucking my truth. I just try really not to say it anymore. <sighs> your, your authenticity. <sighs> Alignment. <laughs> so funny running a podcast company and like almost all of our hosts are in the spiritual space and all I can do is talk crap on spirituality right now I'm like please please don't stop being my client um but that that's what it feels like it feels like these buckets that were empty and now we have this awareness and this willingness to go in and we're filling them up and it creates so much more intimacy with ourselves and with the relationships we have whether they're sexual or not I'm really curious how this has affected your sex lives. For me, I just want to create a little context for why I'm asking, because for me, I feel like so much of my craving for sex and this need for the act of sex and the validation of sex of I'm good enough, I'm hot enough, you will fuck me, was because I was coming from such an emptiness and Mm -hmm. I didn't have the intimacy and I didn't have the connection with self. So I'm like, oh my God, please literally fill me up, be inside of me so that I feel better about myself. And now I feel such deep intimacy in every part of my life that I don't have this constant craving for this thing. And Lex, you posted the other day and I was laughing because you were like, Jordan and I are not having sex seven times a day, seven days a week. Thank you very much. I have a life. And I was like, us either. Why does everyone think we're doing this? It's just so interesting when you get to that point where it's, I don't crave this to fix me. I actually crave more on top of what I've already created. Like it's the cherry on top. It's not the thing that fixes you. So how has all of this doing the work, doing the excavation, creating more intimacy affected your sex lives and how you view it and how you experience it? Um, so before Jordan, <laughs> doing the doing the work, I think a lot of people will resonate with what I'm just about to say, what I'm about to say too, and maybe all as well, but uh, casual encounters of sorts and being with people. And there's a variety of reasons why this makes sense. And you can go biologically, physiologically, neurochemistry, all of these things will uh, 
give reasoning and logic to why this happens and how this happens. But working, going into sexual experiences with people that I knew were not going to eventually be the father of my children, that I was not going to go into, well, you know, like the idea, of course that could have happened if that was ordained to happen slash accidentally. But um, no, uh, the way that I interacted with those people that I knew were not my forever people were very different than how I interact with Jordan. And I show him so much more of me more than I've shown any person in my entire life. He is by far my favorite human on the planet and I will rip myself to pieces in front of him. And, and he, I've never, I've never been so raw, so myself in front of a person. And then he, when I am in my messiest, he has this almost like childlike glow around him and this like twinkle in his eye. And every time I feel like I'm at my absolute worst or I'm at my ugliest or I'm at my messiest, he responds with you're so beautiful every time. And, and I'm not just saying that as like, oh yeah. And in theory, he kind of responds in this way. He literally says those words. You're so fucking beautiful in the mess. And he tells, when he tells our origin story of us getting together, he'll say that he saw me on a Facebook live where I was communicating basically with my tears, where words were coming out of my mouth, but tears were streaming down my eyes and down my face. And that's his first moment of, I want this woman. It wasn't in my hot bikini, whatever it wouldn't be. You would never see a picture of me in a bikini. That's not happening. But um, it wasn't in this like perfectly modeled, molded kind of way. It was in my expression and in my sadness and in my heartbreak. And I can't change the fact that he fell in love with me for that. And, and no matter how much I try to fight him on it, no matter how much I try and position myself to be better when I'm on top of my game, he still has those moments where he falls deeper in love with me when he sees me in the shit. And I, at, at, you know, and, and I, I get to give that to him. I'm not going to take that away from him and he won't let me anyway. But even still, there's something about that then translating into sexual intimacy that provides its own challenges because it's much easier for me at times or it has been in life for me to say yes to this like wild outlandish situation unfolding when that person was not going to learn all of the messy pieces and parts of me. They got to see who I wanted them to see, who I believed they wanted to be with and they wanted to fuck. And it was just long enough that I could put up with the facade before I'd move on to the next thing. So that's hot. Don't get me wrong. That's really fucking hot. And certainly in long-term partnership, I miss that. And I crave that. And I miss that version of me that could just stand up, show up and be a chameleon. What do you want? I'm that great. And it's fun and I can put up with it. And it's super delicious and sexy and hot and all those things. And so how my, my, my work now with my partner is how do I get to have it all? And that doesn't mean that I do it all in the confines of a monogamous container. It's how do we get to have whatever we want from a place of connection, intimacy, um, and love for each other and love for other people. So, um, yeah, that's, it's hard sometimes and we get to co-create it because it's definitely very collaborative. So last night we, as an example, probably about once a month, we will get a hotel room that is about a mile away from our house. You know, we use a card that gets us the points and then the points translate to the free hotel room. And then we don't, we're not just like shelling out a bunch of money for hotel rooms that here, there and everywhere. And we also collaborate with friends of ours too, that get hotels in the city and we trade and somebody will go in from four to seven and then they'll leave and pick up. And then we'll go in from seven to 11 and then we'll leave and come home because we have dogs. 
So, and we'll just like use the space and get very creative with it. And so um, it definitely, that's a, that's a tip that I can give to everybody is that, you know, with your development and your growth and whether you're single and you're footloose and fancy free, or you're looking for something more depth, like you can be very collaborative with the people in your life that you're not necessarily sexual with, but like our, some of our best friends. And uh, so last night we did a hotel stay and we had the sex before the sex, which means I come twice. He doesn't. And then we went to dinner and, and it, it's always someplace light because I don't know, like, I don't know what twisted asshole likes to fuck on a full stomach, but <laughs> you can tell me your secrets. I'm into it. So we choose something light and then we go back and we do our, like the real sex. And I would say, which is like two more orgasms and he actually comes that time. So, you know, and then we had our time and then we were so tired, so tired. I was, I was playing sleepy brat the whole time. And he really likes a suction cup cup dildo on a, on like one of those floor to ceiling windows, like a hotel that has a floor to ceiling window that you can't see inside of. And he's like right there. And it's just, he is just fun. You know, he, <laughs> Kelly's Oh my God. Never have I ever. This is yeah. so great. Well, he like suctions it. He's like, you know, put it into position. And then you know, he's like, we've got the toys. And so we'll oftentimes bring the new toys to the hotel because it's a unique environment. And so, and, and we're all like, we show up to the hotel ready to play. And both of us are open. Both of us are wide open because sometimes at home, I've just walked out of the office. Work is right there. Yeah. So in a hotel, like it's a whole different experience and we don't even have kids at this point. So we're, and at least this is a part of our foundation, but yeah. He likes the, 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 we're playing with the double penetration fantasy, you know, it's the fantasy that maybe that dick could actually belong to another man. And maybe someday, don't let him hear me say this, that will actually be him plus someone else, like plus another man. I don't know, but he likes that. And then, you know, he gets to Eiffel tower me, but high-fiving Austin, which is through the window. <laughs> you could uh, you could pull off Connor's plan and be talking to this girl that he wants us to, us to hook up with, and she wants to use a strap on, and oh. they want to do that to me. And I'm like, mm. what is happening? <laughs> I know. I'm like scared. I'm sweating talking about it, but I'm also very excited. So, oh, I love that. Maybe yeah. you don't need another love, guy. I love a good, a good double penetration fantasy, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't like happen in mm-hmm. actuality i'm like i'm into it filled in all the places and just stick two mm-hmm. fingers up my nose while you're at it let's fill it up <laughs> you can't Joke. have any thoughts while that is happening no. <laughs> there's no space for it mm-hmm. no totally totally it i mean it's really funny if i say this out loud on your show because <laughs> jordan because you know i i'm a free i free speak i say all the things but i think about you know because there's something that's a little bit intimate when it's like it was yesterday versus like we've had a week to process it but i came and when i came i was able to deep throat because everything just like you know and i was able to like i like couldn't help myself and jordan was like good girl <laughs> Oh my God. That's amazing. I never experienced it before. I never, I never, I was like, Oh, this is how you do it. I'm going to tell everybody this is the, you know, people are like, Oh, you got to squeeze your hands and you got to do this thing with your throat. Like just have an orgasm while his dick is in your mouth and then shove a little bit forward. And there you have it because you, you can't process gag plus orgasm. Totally. (laughs) 
I, yeah. I couldn't process gagging and orgasming at the same time. Okay. I couldn't. I'm stealing so, that. I love that. that happened. But to round out that story, we did that even when we were so tired and we could have changed the date moved it around, prioritized other things. We've got a wedding that we're planning. We just got done with a bunch of travel. We've got projects and branding and a new business coach and like all, and we're podcasting. We just have so many moving pieces and parts, dogs at the vet, having little surgeries and like all the things. Um, and we could have moved it. And in the morning after, because Jordan actually left the hotel, we stayed at a dog-friendly hotel. So we had our time. And then he left, went home, let the dogs out, put them in the car and brought them back to the hotel and they slept in the hotel with us. So he, we woke up in the next morning. He said, I'm really glad we did that. I'm really glad that we prioritized that because we know how we show up when we do the hotel scene. We certainly can do that at home. We know we've done it. And there's something about that, that is sacred that we show up a little bit differently too. And so, like I was saying, collaborative endeavor and, um, you know, there are the times where I'd rather be my like fussy, feisty, anxiety provoking. Jordan calls me Maleficent. <laughs> so where I'd rather be that. And um, it's a conscious choice. You know, you can with the casual sex that has this like fire and feisty and, you know, is so explosive and amazing. You can choose for that person to see you only when you're hot and ready and you want to do that thing. And then you can choose for them not to see you whenever you're like, I'm really bloated right now. You can choose, they won't even know that you got bloated. You just like are not available that day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's oh, yeah. just so, it's, it's just different. Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm a Virgo Capricorn and I always do my hair and makeup and I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I love when Alexa tells stories. It's so it's good. My favorite. I know. She's so good at it. She also like tells three stories at one time. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, can you tuck me in and read me a bedtime story, please? She's like, did that make sense? Did I go off on too many tangents? I was like, that was amazing. Please yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I remember when um, it was Jordan's birthday and the prompt was to share like the moment you knew you like really loved him or something that you really loved about him, something like that. And I, I cried, surprised. Um, sharing <laughs> with Jordan that I, the thing I loved the most about him is the way he loves Alexa. And I still stand by that because I just love your relationship so much. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That was really sweet. Bryn, how, how has, how has the, the work and the intimacy changed sex for you now that you're single too? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I was reflecting on it briefly uh, before Alexa started to share. And it's been really interesting because I essentially have had to recreate vulnerability and intimacy over and over and over again. And it's not easy to do um, because I'm not looking for these shallow encounters because I can have really hot sex with whoever and I'm looking for, for intimacy and connection and depth and vulnerability and partnership. And so um, the first relationship I had right outside of my marriage ending, at the time, it was the best sex I'd ever had. Because before when I was married, it was purely physical. We didn't know anything different. There was no emotional connection. And it was actually the very last time Chris and I had sex ever. We had already separated at that point, but we had just like this huge outpouring between one another where we 
we're like pouring our souls out. We were airing all of these resentments. And then all of a sudden it was a clean slate. And we went downstairs. We were working at a retreat center at the time and we had the best sex we'd ever had. And it was this bittersweet moment of what the fuck? (laughs) Because we've never fucked like this before. And I, I came and cried so hard that I was like, I didn't even know this combination was possible. And that was the last time we ever had sex. And then going right into that, my next relationship, it was this state of just freeness and openness and wildness and having my partner at the time. um, He definitely was less experienced than I was and was also just like really into me. And there was this connection that we had that one of my like guides at the time was saying, she's like, it's a soul connection that will not make sense to any fucking person other than the two of you. And if you look back and people will say, they're like, yeah, we had no idea what the fuck was going on, but we knew you were just out of your marriage and you were doing your thing. And he was perfect for me in all of the right ways. And our sex truly opened me. Um, It was the first time I had a cervical orgasm in my whole life. The type of orgasm were literally like, my toes all the way up to like my crown was just vibrating and it didn't start from my clitoris. And I'm like, what is happening? This like slow burn that just essentially explodes through my whole body. And I remember being like, what the fuck? There is so much more to sex than I even understood. And I'm still understanding. And I felt so free with him. And that was the first time that I'd ever felt this lack of needing my hair to be perfect, needing to make sure I shaved before, needing to make sure that I was getting all the right angles. Like I just loved my body. I loved my pleasure. I was asking for what I wanted. And that was huge. I mean, I was 30 years old and I'd never had that experience before. And so every time I go into a new sexual experience, I have all of that foundation underneath of me. So it just keeps building And that's really exciting. And there's a part of me that I meet every fucking time. And she hasn't gone away yet. The little girl, the little girl that is like, oh, fuck, you see me. And I'm so naked, literally, and vulnerable. And she comes out almost every single time. The difference is now is I have this relationship with her where I'm like, all right, girl, I see you You can go away now. We're safe. I think, (laughs) and at least for this moment, and you can ask for what you want and you can have a really great time and you can be fully expressed. And this person is going to take care of you in that way. And most of all, like you've got you and you know what you like and you know how to ask for it now. And I find that I always make it (laughs) as a human does more complicated than it fucking needs to be. Like my most intense and powerful, like sexual encounters lately have just incorporated locking eyes with that person, like really meeting them with eye contact in that moment where the pleasure is peaking, like right before orgasm and we're just eyes to eyes. And just recently when I was in San Francisco, I had this like, we didn't even have sex. It was like some good old (laughs) fashion dry humping. Yes. It was so hot. And I remember I was on top of him. I like had my top off, but I was in fucking sweatpants. I was sick. I was so sick. He brought me soup. And like, I didn't think anything was going to happen that night. And next thing I know, we're like super attracted to one another. I'm on top of him and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me. And I just felt 
all of him in that moment. And I'm like, and we're just dry humping. (laughs) And this is so nourishing. I feel so damn good and so hot and so seen. Um, And the only time where I've had since I left my marriage, where I've realized that I completely shut down and like completely blocked the vulnerability, it's actually in my threesome. Wasn't the first time. It was the second time that we had sex when there was a time in which the female partner was pleasuring herself. And I was, I was about to use a name and I had to stop myself. And um, I was having penetrative sex uh, with the man and we were having sex for what felt like a while. And then I was starting to get in my head about it because I'm like, oh, how does she feel? What is she experiencing right now? And I started to feel really connected to him. And we were having one of those like eye gazing moments and I shut it down. I was like, this doesn't feel good. And I feel actually out of integrity all of a sudden. And it was a very odd moment of knowing I could have gone there and felt really open and vulnerable and just shut the whole thing down. Like I couldn't come anymore. I couldn't go there because it just felt like I crossed a boundary that I didn't even know that I had in that moment. Um, which is why sex can go sideways very quickly, as we may know. I don't know why I just thought of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, would, it have been, would it have been better if she crawled over and like, off red, held your face yeah. <laughs> and said, it's okay. Uh, blessing, blessing be the fruit. I used, I used to do that may though. The Lord open. Yeah. May the Lord open. God, that show is so fucked up. It's so good. Um, I did that though. Um, I would hold the person that we were dating for a while, um, while Connor was on top of her. And so it was like, I could make eye contact with Connor. And then I was also holding her and like talking to her and mm. it felt, I think it felt better for her, but it also felt better for me because one of my biggest complaints in threesomes especially in the beginning was like, I feel left out. And now I don't feel like this is about me at all. And I feel like a bystander in my own relationship. And that's really scary. Um, and she also like you, Bryn didn't want to cross boundaries and disrespect me because we really cared about each other. And so mm-hmm. I think when you have, there's like certain ways that you can hold each other, but that it took us a couple months to do that. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about the second time. I feel like that's so normal. I mean, maybe Alexa has a perspective on that, but I feel like that's really normal. And also it brings up a lot of, I think, really positive, healthy questions to ask yourself and to have conversations with the couple and the entire dynamic of like, what's too far and how emotionally involved do I want to be? And yeah, now I love that. And I, I think that's where I showed my own maturity and growth was I named it afterwards. I said, Hey, I want to talk about that moment. I want to share what came up for me so that we can all clear any potential ping that could be happening. And like, we're all going to go celebrate our birthdays together in a couple of days. So like, I fucking love them and I will love them forever. But yeah, vulnerability is, it has taken many different turns for me. Um, but I think the takeaway in all of it is that I have that foundation that keeps getting stronger and stronger so that by the time whoever comes along, it's like, oh, I've been doing the vulnerability reps <laughs> over and over and over. Got this shit on lock. I love both of you. Can we just do this you. every week? Can we just have a podcast together? <laughs> I thought it already. I was like, wow, we're so natural. Look at us go. We are. Um, I am so grateful for both of you. I, ugh, 
God. I think the world of you guys, <laughs> I get annoyed at myself when I do this, but <laughs> whatever, we're doing it. Um, I feel like having both of you in my life has been such a healing experience. And I just really want to recognize both of you for the way you show up and just how honest and courageous and kind and loving you are. And it's not just me. I, I know people who have experiences with you who say the same thing, just how wonderful both of you are. And I know a lot of, you know, stuff that we're not going to share on the podcast behind the scenes of like what both of you go through and who you are as people. And I just really respect the way you continue to show up and bear yourselves and grow and pave the way for so many of us. You're such incredible examples for me as women and partners. And I really look up to both of you so much. Um, So thank you for just being you. And I'm so grateful that we are friends and that I get to know you and learn from you. So I love you. Mm. (sighs) Thank you, Kelly. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild to think that this level of intimacy and connection can be created with women that have technically, like I've never even met you in real life that you meet on the internet, right? That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, And all of the things you just reflected in us, like we both feel the exact same way about you. We talk about you all the time. (laughs) Like you're here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate hearing all of that. So fucking much. And I, I can't wait. I feel honored to get to watch you and Connor get married and, and be someone who stands for your relationship. And while I've certainly gotten close to you and have only met you in real life in one time, it was a very quick time, you know, um, I just, I feel like you and Connor are people. You are our people and I'm excited to to stand for your relationship. And so mm-hmm. just like I've made the commitment to my friends here, I will do this for Bryn whenever she's in partnership. And of course I am this way for you as, as you are navigating, seeking partnership at some point, but I certainly take this stand like I do for my best friends here in, um, I vow to take a stand for your relationship and that anytime I'm interacting with you, I have the entity of your greatness, which stems from your partnership and, and of course yourself too, but to take a stand for, for the two of you and the entity that is the two of you. And I'm so excited and honored that I get to be there. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love you both. Thank you. <laughs>